0: Turn to Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah 18, and I'm going to read from two versions. I'm going to read the King James Version first, and then I'm going to read the Living Bible Translation. And it reads, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. The Living Translation Bible says, here is another message to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the shop where the clay pots and jars are made, and I will talk to you there I did as he told me and found the potter working at his will. But the jar that he was forming didn't turn out as he wished. So he kneaded it again into a lump and started again. And I want to talk to you about the wheels are still turning. Amen. God's not through with us yet. Amen. As long as we're living. God still has something that he's trying to form us into, something he's trying to shape us into, something he's trying to work out of us, something he's trying to put into us. Amen. He is constantly at work within us. It's dangerous for us to be content with where you are. Amen. Because when you're finished with your journey, God's going to take you home. So as long as you're down here on earth, Know that God still has something for you to do, something for you to work on, amen, somebody for you to touch, amen. He is constantly working on us, never stops, amen. Remember, he doesn't sleep or slumber, so so he's working on your behalf when you've laid down on your pillow and and asleep and, and, and never, never land, amen. God is still working things out. Amen. In the the secret hours of the night, God is moving stuff around and shaping and molding stuff, and he's custom-making it for you. Amen. We have to believe that. He tells Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. So the prophet was allowed to go behind the scenes where the creativity was not usually witnessed by the general population. God did not send him to the marketplace where the beauty of the pot or the jar was already completed a final. But he sends them to to the scenes, behind the scenes. I don't know if anybody, any of you have ever had a backstage pass or worked behind the scenes on a thing, but uh, a lot of times the production that we see on stage or on TV or or the album that we hear on the radio, uh, there's a lot of work that went behind the scenes that you don't see. What you see is the ultimate result. And it looks so smoothly and well put together. But we don't know the rehearsals, all the mistakes that were made in the rehearsals, all of the the flaws that were shown and had to be corrected before that thing was put out for the public to see. A song that that you hear four or five minutes long, it usually takes 30 hours of studio time to complete that song. And that's a minimum, 30 hours. 10 hours for the music production, 10 hours for the vocals, and 10 hours for the mixing. And, and that's a minimum. And we hear that fi- five-minute song, and uh, sometimes people love the songs I, that I've written and produced, and I'm tired of them because I didn't heard them thousands of times, and they just heard them a few times. And I get sick of hearing the same old thing over and over and over. But they didn't know the work that it took in, in the dark studio to make that come to fruition, So he takes Jeremiah and takes him behind the scenes where nobody else can see what's going on. And he tells him, like last night, we talked about going down from Jerusalem. He tells Jeremiah also, you've got to go down. There had to be a descent to where the potter's house was. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but know that the reservations were made in the valley. Amen. We we, we sit in heavenly places and we enjoy and we bask in the the fact that we're children of God right now, but not knowing that we are made in the valley. The trials that we go through are making us and they're going to cause us to come out as pure gold. The fire is down in the valley. The prophet was at the temple, but he says, go down. By go down, we gather that the pottery was made in the valley. Our making is down at the potter's house. He's making and molding us in our prayer closets. Once the secret place has been visited, he will display us to the world, and he will reward us openly. We talked about, I think it was last week's lesson, going into our prayer closet. Amen. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly and showcase you before the world. All right? So there is a focus on a specific potter here. Although people of the same vocation often worked in close proximity, but there was a certain potter that God sent the prophet to. He didn't go to the potter's village, but he went to a specific potter's house. Many of the other prophets were probably not working. Many of the other potters would have probably given up on the vessel that they were forming or shaping. I don't know, but sometimes we just remodeled our house and you start a project and you all excited when you start because you have a vision in your mind. When we finish, man, it's going to be nice. But sometimes you run into snags and you... My wife used to tell him when you gonna paint this part of the house and when you gonna finish that part. I'm tired painting. Kept on painting and painting and painting. Then go back and then we got almost finished. And when we got almost finished, my godchildren were over to the house and ran the toilet over and flooded the whole upstairs. I was just finishing baseboard. And then we had to go and tear everything out. They had to tear out drywall and tear out the floor I had just laid. And and and. I got discouraged. I said, man, we almost done. Amen. This is what the potter was dealing with. So many of the other potters probably would have left the vessel marred once it became marred in their hands, hoping that the color or the glaze would cover the marred. Sometimes we we put on the right smile. Somebody said we put on our game face on Sunday. We know how to say the right things. We have the cliches of the church. We know how to shout. We know how to dance. We know how to speak in tongues just right. But a lot of times we're marred. But we, we try to cover it up with a glaze. Amen. But know that the potter knows. He knows. Even if he tries to cover it up, he knows. I mean, I hit a few bad keys over here. Some people don't notice sometimes, but I know. And I get upset sometimes because I know I could do better than that. All right, y'all with me? All right. So many of the other potters would have left the vessel marked, maybe not caring at all, hoping that someone would buy the imperfection. Maybe some of them wouldn't even try to cover it up. I'm just going to come messed up. And maybe somebody will buy it anyway. Uh, talks about we call them thrift shops but she calls them scrounging holes I'm going to the scrounging hole to get what somebody else would think is junk I'll bring it home and maybe fix it up and it, it might be imperfected but somebody might buy it anyway but not this potter his name was attached to his product and he knew it would be a reflection of himself. There's some things that, that have a mark of certain standard attached to it. When you think of hotels and you, you think of, of the Comfort Inn, you don't think about the Four Seasons or the Ritz-Carlton. There's a certain standard that other hotels are going to live up to. I understand that, that even the hotel that we're in, they, they don't want to grow too fast because they want to keep that certain standard. And this is a beautiful place. And I understand that the owners will sometimes just pop up at any of their hotels and give a run through. They'll just walk through any room just to check. The crew won't even know. The staff doesn't even know that they're coming. They just show up and do an inspection. And I mean, God is the same way. Sometimes he might, like I said last night, he'll come knock on your door, and if your house ain't clean, he's coming anyway. It was marred in his hand. Now, it wasn't marred when he got it. He didn't find a piece of junk and say, I'm going to fix you up. But this became marred while it was in his hand. Right before his face, it lost the shape that he had formed it into. This word marred, it means to detract from the perfection or the wholeness of. It means to spoil or to inflict serious bodily harm on or to destroy. But in the Hebrew, it means to decay. Or to ruin, to batter, or to cast off, to destroy, to lose, or to perish, to spill, or to spoil, utterly to waste. This is what happened to the clay. Something that he had designed to showcase became waste. And I like the word lose or perish because... God had to show me the scripture and we deal with it because we're concerned about so many that backslide and those that we once knew believed and trusted in God and now have given up on God. But Jesus said, all that the father has given me, I have lost none. So that means if he's lost none, he said, I've lost none except the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When John picks it up, he says that those that left us only left us that it might be made manifest and known to you that they were never with you in the first place. Amen. So we can rest assured that everything that God has saved, he said, I've lost none of it. That's how much power he has. Now, just because somebody might be able to come in and eat in a Honda and he's coming in a Honda doesn't mean that they're saved. And nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knows them that are his. He's not fo- We get food. And then we get all unraveled when they leave the church, but they were never in it anyway. I've lost none. All that the Father has given me, not one except the Son of Perdition. I, I can rest assured in that. That scripture helped me so much. Amen. To know that God's power, and, and we, we minimize his power. In fact, his power is so great, and his grace is so ever before us that he talks about the book of life. And I asked him one said, Lord, if you knew who was going to be saved and who was going to be lost... If you knew their name wasn't going to be written in the book of life, if they were going to backslide, so-called, then why was their name in there in the first place? If you knew, because there's three folks. There are the names that are in the book, the names that are not in the book, but there's some that have been blotted out. And he spoke to me and he took me to Titus and said, don't you know that the grace of God has appeared unto all men? And he wanted that record to be written in heaven, to know that those that had their names blotted out, they will never be able to say that grace wasn't present for them. It appeared to all men. But the Bible says they frustrated the grace of God or they received the grace of God in vain. I don't want to frustrate his grace and I don't want to receive it in vain. It costs too much. For me to give up on him. How can we give up on him when he refuses to let you go? And we're in mess and he won't let us go. He's holy. And we just, no, Lord, I'm, I just, I can't work up, up in my mind to trust you. He wrought a work. When he went down, Jeremiah said, He wrought a work. This clay had already been shaped and molded according to his will. When Jeremiah arrived, there was something beautiful on that wheel. He said he wrought a work. But while Jeremiah looked, and while the potter had his hands dirty on it, it became marred. Something happened in the middle of that spinning. And the spinning of the wheel represents the turmoil of the world, the tests and the trials that come to shake us up. While it was spinning, something happened. I don't know whether a pebble stone appeared in it, and it, it, instead of being smooth, it became rough, or whether the, the shape just got out. I don't know if, if any of my mother, when I was a kid, brought me one of those little clay wheels. And it had the battery and it would spin and you put the water on it. And, and sometimes the wheel will start spinning too fast. And if it got too wet, it, it would be too loose and it'll start, with the, with the wheel, it'll start curving over to one side or the other. And before you know it, it's splattering all over the place. And I used to get so frustrated with that, I stopped playing with it. It was frustrating. Because you, you got to be able to spin it at the right speed. You have to have just the right amount of water. The condition, the weather has to be right. The the, the, the atmosphere has to be right for it. And only God has control of all of those things at once. Now, there's not one wheel, but there's two wheels. The wheel that we're on is on the top wheel. But that wheel is controlled by the wheel that is attached to the potter's foot. So, don't think that your tests and trials are being governed by the devil. The devil can't touch you. He can't touch you because he can't find you. Paul said that my life is hid in Christ, it's hidden. So if the devil wants to get to me, he's got to get to Christ. And Christ already defeated him. So John says, that wicked one touches them not. Y'all catch it in a minute. What you're going through is being filtered by the foot of God. Only he is controlling. Now, we say the devil has power. Well, the Bible says that Jesus on the cross stripped him of his power, made him an open show, walked him through the streets of eternity and embarrassed him. One preacher put it, the devil doesn't even have the keys to his own kingdom anymore. But yet, we find that the serpent in Genesis has turned into a dragon in Revelation. How did he become, go from a serpent to a dragon? Because you relinquished the power back to him. You took God's power and gave it back to the devil. When you say, Lord, I just can't believe you, you have taken the power that Jesus took from the devil and placed it right back in the devil's hand. And that's how the devil can be an accuser of the brethren. So we become marred right before the potter's eyes. There was resistance to the potter's wheel. That's what it was. And I think that a lot of us are in a Gethsemane experience where there's a battle of the wheels. Jesus went through a battle. With his will. Do I really want to serve God? Do I really want to do what God has sent me to do? Do I really? Because it's going to hurt. And that's where the bloodshed was. It really wasn't Calvary. But he started shedding his blood in Gethsemane. The Bible says he shed in sweat Great drops of blood. So we always get the end part. But God does stuff so early sometimes and we miss it. Because he wasn't going to let the devil draw his blood. He shed his blood willingly. And when he shed it willingly, it was his humbleness to God's will in Gethsemane. He gave his blood. Just let it come out of himself. So the work, when when the prophet got there, the work had already been accomplished. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire baptized, and I'm running for my life. I'm complete in him. But while you're saying you're complete, tragedy hits. Doubt comes in unfaithfulness, sin creeps in. I fall, whatever the case may be. That's why it says, you that think you're strong, take heed lest you fall. No one touched this clay that was in the potter's hand. Nobody's hand was on it but the potter. Jeremiah didn't touch it. He didn't say that Satan was there to touch it. How could something that has been formed by God's hand right before his eyes just dissipate? Lose your purpose, lose your calling, lose your anointing right in his hand. So this could have caused the prophet to question the skill of the potter. Well, maybe the potter don't know what he's doing. Just perhaps, maybe God, maybe you just don't know me well enough. Maybe my problem's a little too big for you. Maybe my situation, see, the devil wants to make you believe that you're the only one going through that. Don't nobody know what you're going through. Don't nobody care. You can't. There's nobody you can talk to about this. And remember, the, the prophet said, there's nothing new under the sun. What you're going through, somebody's been through it, and somebody else is going to go through it coming after you. That's a ploy of the devil because he wants to isolate you. And he wants to isolate you. He's, he's able to speak all kinds of negative things into your spirit. And he can speak it for so much and so long to where you start repeating them. See, the, the, the real power of God is not in that he created the heavens and the earth, but it's when Satan fell. And the Bible says that darkness was upon the, upon the face. Of the deep. After he created everything perfect, and Lucifer's heart was exalted, and he kicked him out of heaven. When he kicked him out of heaven and gave Satan access to earth, the whole earth was thrown into chaotic condition. Even then, the Bible said the Spirit of God, thrice holy God, got into that which was defected. And a lot of times, we don't think, I, I've, I've messed up. There's no way that God can deal with me. There's no way that God can speak to me. There's no way that God can use me. But if God can speak to a jackass, something that has no feeling, no will to him, but, but he used it to even speak to his man. Don't you see this angel standing here? And some folk, sometimes sinner will, will, will have more sense There are those folk that say they're saved. Oh, we know God's voice. We know his purpose. We know his plan. But the sinner will show you up. (laughs) Not y'all. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me tonight. Not only did the potter form the first vessel, but when the flaw rendered it useless, he took that which was useless and formed it into something else. So he says, behold, look, pay attention, or as Israel would say, Shema, you got to look. Now, what what would have happened if Jeremiah took, now remember, Jeremiah came to learn something from this, because God spoke to him where he was in the temple, and he said, I want you to get up and go down to the potter's house, and after you observe something, then I'm going to speak a word to you. Now, a lot of times we think just because he said, get up and go, that that was the word. That wasn't the word. The word was yet to come. So, let's see what happens. Sometimes God's purpose for us gets frustrated. His purpose for us becomes marred. Let's go through a few things. It gets marred by sickness. Tests. Trials, circumstances, sin, unbelief, fear, anxiety, past failures. Well, because I messed up before, there's, there's no way that I, I'm not going to even try. I struggled with that for a while. Just the fear of failure. Just, I wouldn't even attempt to do certain things. Just because of uh, the possibility that I might fail. In fact, uh, T.D. Jakes preached a sermon, Living with the Threat of Failure. That helped me. You heard that. Anxiety. Depression. That's a big one for our day. Depression. Grief. Just not able to... Get over the loss of a loved one. I talked to a sister and prayed for her this week. She had been going through with school and work. But in the midst of that, she lost her dog. Now, some folk might think that that's nothing. But some folks are very attached to their animals. And she was grieving the pet. It's real for some folks. Some folk, you know, they could take it or leave it. But some folks treat their little pet like their own little child or sister or brother. Molestation. That's a deep one because they live with the, the fear. Well they live with the problem that it was my fault. Molested. And it creates a whole frustration of sexuality. Where through your whole life you don't know who you are. Amen. And then the devil comes in and he and he He frustrates your desire. He frustrates your affection. I remember tearing with a young lady once. I didn't know anything. This is why I believe all altar workers uh, should have a gift of discernment. Because the altar is a very serious place. And I was praying for her. And and something, it was just, she sent up praise. It was like a brick wall. God's not here. And I started praying. And then God dropped, finally dropped it in my spirit. And I prayed a very short prayer. Lord, change my affection. And within a minute, the girl broke and received the Holy Ghost. She was a lesbian. Her, her affection had been frustrated. She didn't know what the right affection was toward a man. And God can do that. Marred in the potter's hand. Rape, abuse, divorce, drug addiction, alcoholism, sex addiction, low self-esteem, hopelessness. All of these things can cause us to become marred while we're in God's hand. But rest assured that you are still in his hand. Let's get John 10. My wife mentioned love before. And I told her, I said, we should do, we should do a one day workshop. I, I think we should probably do two, two day and just break down the love of God. I think it's needful because it's, it's something that so many in the church can't grasp and it's the foundation of your salvation. We talk about the blood and we talk about redemption and propitiation and all of these other words, reconciliation and atonement, but it was the love that even sent him in the first place. But the Bible in in 1 Corinthians says that love hopeth all things. And when somebody loses their hope for what God has called them to be, that's a very dangerous place to be because you end up in despair and frustration that your situation is impossible of changing. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You can't let the devil talk to you like that. You know what? He wants your place. God took him out of a place and placed us there. That's why it's very important that we don't lose worship because that was Satan's job, worship. Not so much dancing around, it was worship. And that worship, people say that he guarded the holiness of God. Your access into the holiness of God is through worship. And when the devil takes that away from you, you're completely separate from God. Now he says, we'll put here, Verse number 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Say, I'm, in this, I'm still in his hand. Now, he says that no man can pluck you out, but he doesn't say you, can, you can't jump out. I remember sometimes when I, when I got a whooping, you better not run. <laughs> Why can't I run? This hurts. <laughs> you, better not, you, you better not run. And so we shouldn't jump out because it's our free will that's holding us in there. He has to let us go if we want to go. But as long as you want to stay in there, there's nothing that can snatch you out of it. Not life, not death, not principalities, no situation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now sometimes, I don't know if any of you ever had a tug of war over something Maybe it was your brother, your sister, and y'all just fought over something. Give it here. No, give it here. And sometimes we become marred that way. Just with God's tenacity to hold on to us and the devil's trying to rip us out, we become contorted, bent out of shape because the devil was trying so hard to take us from the grip of the master. But God's going in. Amen. And when he wins, we might be out of shape, but he's going to take us and just put us back on the wheel. Get some more water. And my father, which gave them me, is greater than who? Some? All. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So the potter is telling you, work with me. There's nothing anybody can do with you. Just, Just work with me. Let me shape and mold you. All right, somebody say, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. The potter did not panic when the clay became marred in his hand. He kept his cool until the plan was finished. The Bible says he made it again. Another vessel. He made it the way it was designed for it to be. He didn't have to settle for anything less than his perfect plan. So you might ask, Lord, why am I going through the same old test? Over and over and over and over again. You know, the school system has more sense than the saints. If you fail a test, well, they used to. Now they just passing folk along and graduating folk that can't even read. But a few years ago, if you failed a test, they say, all right, we're going to let you remake the test up. So you find yourself taking the same test. And after a while, you got it. Because you got sense enough to go, I think I better go study this and find out. Sometimes we got to go, and study God's word and see where do I fit into this plan? Not just black and white letters on the page, but Lord, what is your word and your purpose for me? There's manna in the Bible, but then there's hidden manna. Where you could dig into a verse and, and, and things pop out and you say, I never saw that before. I didn't know all of that stuff about the eunuch that I shared last night. It was news to me. I thought a eunuch, and Paul was a eunuch, but I think his was voluntary. There is a voluntary eunuch that says I'm not going to have a family so that I might serve Christ. But I didn't know the nature of the eunuch and the separation and the spiritual condition that it represented. Why? Because I had never read it. I just accepted what folk told me. Paul was a eunuch for Christ. So you got to go and study. What is my purpose? Where do I fit in? So he made it the way that it was designed for it to be. People were going to be in awe of his work, no matter how it turns out, whether a vessel of honor or of dishonor. I don't want to be a vessel of dishonor. I want to be obedient to his will, being able to go with the changes some folk don't like change because they're content they get in their little comfort zone lord don't mess my plan up now i go to work from eight to five i get home i do bible class from seven thirty to nine thirty amen i do my little shout and i come back on sunday i come to sunday school i come to sunday morning service i like to hear the choir sing and that's my that's my thing don't mess me up lord but what are you gonna do when you wake up at two in the morning and says, You gotta pray. What are you gonna do? And when you when you learn your real purpose, and remember it's not just about you, you'll realize that your praise is connected to somebody else's liberty, liberty, their freedom, their soul is dependent upon your worship. Because when Paul and Silas prayed and sang hymns at midnight. Their gate was not just opened, but the entire jailhouse was liberated. Their freedom was predicated on Paul and Silas. And I don't know if the other jailers started chiming in on the song, but something changed in them because Paul and Silas were not criminals. They weren't going to run, but the other folk were criminals, murderers. Rapists, you would have thought and in our day, if that happened at Folsom, man, them cats be running out them jail cells hotter than you can. <laughs> but they didn't run. What happened to the prisoners that changed their criminal mentality? When folk come into contact with you, their worldly mindset ought to change. There's no reason why anybody that knows us personally shouldn't be changed. Just for knowing you. So he stuck around. Jeremiah kept his eyes on the wheel. Turn to somebody and say you better keep watching. You think I'm messed up? But just keep watching. The wheel is still turning. It ain't over till it's over my change is coming i know that the potter's got something in his mind keep watching you can tell the devil keep watching you might have tried to convince me but that that my situation was not capable of change but you keep on watching keep your eye on me devil See, the problem with Joseph's brothers was they didn't keep watching. They left. They left. They left him in the desert. They left him in the alley. They threw him off and said, He's a dead man. It does not yet appear. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be so why are you ridiculing me why are you judging me because you think that i ought to be a certain way it doesn't yet appear what i shall be because i'm still on the wheel and the wheel is still turning there's a spirit that God delivered me from within the past few years it was a judgmental spirit and us apostolic folk got it bad look at the power of God it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment Now, the key words that we got out of that was die and judgment. But the biggest word in that verse is after. Because until somebody dies, it ain't over. And we speak death into people. Listen, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when you speak to somebody and say, you ain't going to never amount to nothing, and you are on your way to hell, and we speak those words, those words become life because God put power in your tongue. He said after that, the judgment. So now I say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen to my cousin, my brother, my uncle, my aunt. Why? Because they ain't died yet. They might get in a week before they pass away. I don't know. But we spend all that time. Why? Because we get offended that they didn't hear our word. Well, maybe God didn't send you to water. Maybe he only sent you to plant. But listen about the seed. Y'all not going to like this. Jesus said, except a seed go in the ground and die, it will not be able to bring forth. And too many of us have frustrated ourselves with the purpose of God. We don't believe that God's word is powerful enough to do what it's going to say it's going to do. Why? Because you keep looking at the seed, keep digging it up. Let it die. Let the seed die. You've been witnessing the folk. You've been praying for folk. You've been praying about that situation. Let it die. Don't keep resurrecting it. It's got to die. Then after it dies, then God's got some miraculous water to put on it. But it's not going to come from you. He's going to send the next person to do that. 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. But we're not to judge it before the time. Don't sometimes we get the wrong picture stuck in our minds. A Baptist preacher preached my grandmother's funeral. I don't care what nobody say about that man. That man spoke to me that day. And his message was, you cannot park here. This is a no parking zone. But people get stuck. But you can't park there. You got to deal with the issue. And you got to move along. First John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So my wholeness is connected to my perception of the potter. Remember, the end result is the reflection. What am I going to reflect at the end of my life, at the end of this test? When I come out, what am I reflecting? So we are to seek the Lord for our change. Isaiah 64 and 8 through 9 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are clay, and thou art our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Be not wroth very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee, and we are all thy people. Sometimes we get so frustrated that we stop seeking God and we take things into our own hands. Say, I got the uh, God's just taking too long. I can't, I can't wait no more. Can't wait no more. So don't fight God. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to say it again. Don't fight the Holy Ghost. He knows what he's doing. Turn Isaiah 45, verse number 9. Woe to the man who fights with his creator. Does the pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with him who forms it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Or does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? Now I'm not saying what you say with your lips, but I am saying what sometimes we say in our heart. See, we can't fool God. We could come and say, "I'm trusting in the name of the Lord," and the name of the Lord is a strong tower, of the righteous runneth into it. And they say, "And and all the days of my life, I'm gonna wait till my change come." But God really knows if you're waiting. He said, "I'm so sick of a people serving me with their lips." And their heart is so far from me. And I don't want your lips. I want your heart. Woe to the baby just being born who squalls to his father and mother. Why have you produced me? Can't you do anything right at all? Jehovah the Holy One of Israel, Israel's creator says, what right have you to question what I do? Who are you to command me concerning the work of my hands? I have made the earth and created man upon it. With my hands, I have stretched out the heavens and commanded all the vast myriads of stars. Too many times we say, Lord, you just... You don't know what you're doing. And the, the way that we say that is, we go to this brother, that sister. We go to the pastor. And I talked last night about the, the women who compare the, their pastor all the time. But there's some men that the wives are tired of. And we talked to some women. Because their husband can't make a right decision in the house without going to the pastor. Pastor, should I have this done? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should we have another kid? What's wrong with you? Should I move into this apartment? And the wives are saying, be a man. All right, remember last night I said, when something doesn't live up to its name, it causes frustration. And a lot of marriages are, are, are frustrated because a man just won't be a man. The head of every woman is the man, and the head of every man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. There's an order, and when that order gets out of order, then the devil's got a playground he could just run loose in. And we ain't talking about talking crazy to the wife and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking we're talking about reverence and and The the willingness to, to subject yourself to somebody you know who loves you without a doubt. That's the beauty of God's salvation in marriage. So God will do his will, and we cannot stop it. Isaiah says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God's going to have him a church. Whether you're going to be in it is not the point. God's going to do something where he gets the glory. Whether you give him the glory or not, he's still going to get it from somebody else. So you might as well stay on the wheel and say, Lord, I know I messed up the first pattern. I know that you had shaped me and had me all set up and I took Everything that you gave me, all the blessings that you bestowed upon me, I took them, and I didn't appreciate them. I didn't thank you for them, and I just took it for advantage. Took it for granted, rather. But his counsel shall stand. So he takes us back to the beginning. Revelation 2, verse number 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I'm going to read that again. Nevertheless, I have something against you because you have left your first love. Our first love. I remember the day I got the Holy Ghost, just the spirit of worship that I was in. That was my first love encounter with God. But when we leave that, he said, I got something against you. When you leave the worship. So he says, I want you to remember. Talk to yourself, say, remember. Remember. Now, this hurts because now I got to go back to where the flaw happened. She dealt with this earlier. I've got to go back to where the flaw happened. And I've got to deal with it. It is amazing how much people have shut out of their memory. And most of the time it's with rape victims and uh, kids that are molested. They grow up and eventually forget what happened. But remember now, Your spirit is eternal, and it can't forget. Your mind might forget, but your spirit won't forget. But God wants a unified reasoning between between your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. And the problem with us is, once these four get out of alignment, there's confusion in your own mind. Because they're not all centered on God's will. So the mind might remember something, but the spirit... I mean, the mind might forget something, but the spirit says, I'm not going to let you be happy till you deal with it. Your spirit says, I'm going to keep you in turmoil until you fix me because I'm broken. So remember from whence you were fallen... Remember where you went wrong with God. I, I can't remember. I don't, I don't know what, what happened. Yeah, you do. You just don't want to open yourself up and make yourself vulnerable. He you said, if you don't do this, and he says to repent. Now, this ain't coming to God in your first thing, repent. Now, repentance is a walk. Every day you ought to repent the word means to change and the Bible says that we're supposed to be changing into the image of God glory to glory every day there ought to be a new glory that you didn't have the day before and when you get stuck the glory stops so it's a frightening thing thought to allow the potter to put us back on the wheel this means that the first form must be eradicated but, Lord, I, I just want to live with my flaw. I'm comfortable with it. That's my crutch. That's how I get sympathy. When I stand up and I give my testimony, folk come and say, poor old sister so-and-so, we're really praying for you. Amen. And then the next week, how are you feeling? And we know how to turn on the tears. I, I just, just pray for me. But we get home. We won't share them tears with God. We got drama tears. But when we get home, it's turn on the TV. It's gone to the next thing. But as soon as I saw, I saw a video of a girl on Funniest Home Videos, she, was, she had got into her little perfume box, and she wasn't supposed to be in it. And her mother slowly picked in the room. And she's just in there just doing stuff. And her mother called her name out. She turns around and says, Mommy! what are you doing in my room? She said, oh, you're two years old and I'm not supposed to be in your room. No, you're not. And the mother calls her out. You're just upset because you got busted doing something you aren't supposed to do. You know what the kid did? Mommy, I love you. (laughs) Where did she learn that from? And we do that. We try to fluff God up like he, like he don't know our true selves. We, pu- we puff him up. Lord, you, 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 there's nobody like you, and you, you're the king of kings and lord of lords. I know who I am. Do you believe it? Some of us need to get back on the wheel. So this means that the first must be eradicated. We've got to do away with the mar. He took the vessel that had become marred, then he balled it up into a new lump. It kept none of its form. He started from scratch. And God wants to take you and start from scratch. He folded it up back into his hand. Put it back on the wheel. said. now, are you ready? Are you really ready this time? Because you were beautiful before. But you allowed something to flaw you. The devil didn't do it. You gave him the power to do it. You will have to forget those things which are behind And press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Trust that the new you will be according to his will. Philippians says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The Living Bible Translation says, for God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him. And then helping you to do what he wants. I need help. Because I don't even know the right things to desire. A lot of times we think we need stuff and we don't need it. Then we get angry at God because he didn't give it to us because he knows what you have need of. Not what you have want of, but what you have need of. The pulpit commentary says it is to us an inexplicable problem. The harmony of the divine sovereignty of human freedom. We cannot tell how it will be done, but only that it will be done. And we we wrestle with that because we don't know how he's going to do it. We assume that he can't do it. It has been said that the most terrible part of the road to heaven is that which the sinner goes over three times. Once in his first following of Christ, the second time when he goes back into sin, and the third time when in bitter repentance he travels over it again. So we call people, sometimes we say they're double-crossers. In actuality, they've been that way three times. Once to Christ, on the way back, and then back to Christ again. And then in that time, you realize, look at all the time I lost. Look at all. But, but he says, I will restore again the years. I'm going to restore the years. And what the grasshopper didn't destroy and what the cankerwood didn't destroy, what, whatever's left of you, if, if there's just a little bit, because remember, he only needs a seed. Isaiah 52 says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. This is in chapter 52, verse 13. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Okay. Let's reread this. Get it. We're going to replace a couple of words. Isaiah 52, verse 13. I want you to repeat after me. Behold. Behold. I shall, deal I shall deal prudently. Y'all didn't sound convincing. I shall, deal I shall deal prudently. I shall be exalted. I shall be exalted. And extolled. And, extolled. And, very high. and very high. Now it took us to go through the valley where the potter was to get there. And he says, many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred. Now look at Jesus. More than any man and his form, more than the sons of men, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall be considered. I'm going to read that from another version. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be highly exalted, yet many shall be amazed when they see him, yes, even far off foreign nations and their kings. They shall stand dumbfounded, speechless in his presence, for they shall see and understand what they had not been told before. They shall see my servant beaten and bloodied, so disfigured, one would scarcely know it was a person standing there, so shall he cleanse many nations. Now, when Jesus got up from the grave, his own disciples who had walked with him three and a half years didn't recognize him. The woman that gave birth to him changed his diapers, taught him to crawl, taught him to walk, fed him on her breasts, didn't recognize him. Why? Why? because he got back on the wheel and although he was more, more than any man when he got up nobody would recognize him this is why we tell the devil keep on looking because you only know me right now because when God gets through with me you ain't going to even know me no more I will be completely disassociated from your plan devil I will not, I will not fall into what you said that I will never be Amen, but I'm going to be whatever God has called me to be and you have no say-so in the matter. I can have the right affection. I can be victorious. I can overcome drug addiction, alcoholism, sex addiction, and all of these other things that has come to destroy my life. Jesus didn't come out of the grave looking the same, but God took that marred body and made it again another vessel our beauty is still in the making we must stay in the palm of his hand don't squirm i know little girls hate to get their hair done (laughs) and they get to pulling and they make it worse zoe gets to squirming on the last braid she hates going around with messy hair. But when it's time to do the hair, she's, I don't, no, no, no. In that last braid, she's just fighting. You're so close to perfection. You're so close. What if Naaman said, I'm not dipping this seventh time? I done did it six times and ain't nothing happening. It would be something if you know his skin got progressively better as he went in the water you know the first time he's completely leprous and the second time you know oh I got a clean patch right there no he stayed in the same shape for all six dips <laughs> the walls of Jericho stayed standing all seven days and on the seventh day All six trips around the wall. They could have said, man, ain't ain't one brick fell off this wall. (laughs) It's hopeless. There's no way that you're going to change. There's no way that you can ever live up to, to, the standard is too high. Just give up. He said, on the seventh dip, on the last shout, on the last step, the wall came down. And the Bible said that they didn't even have to pick their feet up. There was no rubble when they walked into the city of Jericho. When the, now, if you think of a wall coming down, you got piles of bricks up to here. They didn't have to lift their foot up. When God has delivered you out of whatever you come through, it's going to be glorious. There will be no sorrow Attached to it. There will be no stress attached to it. Last scripture, Mark 2. Tell your neighbor, don't squirm so much. Stay on the wheel. Folks are looking at you. God's prophet is watching you. And his word is dependent upon how you come out. See, we think the preacher's got, we come to hear the preacher. But God's got this whole set thing set up for you. Verse number 21. No man also seweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment. Or else the new piece that filled filled it up taketh away from the old and the rent is made worse. What happens is, and and most of us have jeans on in here, jeans shrink. If you take a pair of jeans that you've had a year and you try to put a a new jean patch on that, it's not going to work because the jeans have already shrunk. They've already gone down to the size that they're going to stay at. But that new patch that you cut just perfectly for that square, that's going to shrink now. And it's going to cause a rip. So you can't put a Band-Aid on your issue. You got to get back on the wheel and let them fold you over into a new lump. And no man put a new wine into old bottles or else the new wine would burst the bottles and the wine is spilled. And when the wine gets spilled, the bottle is marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. He made it, again, a new lump. Everybody stand. There has been change in this room. There has been I sense it. There has been change in this room. Now, I haven't talked to everybody, but I know that some folk probably couldn't remember the last time they actually worshiped. Actually, worship God. God has done something. Amen. 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 And we're going to pray. I wanted to open with this, and I completely forgot until today. But the Bible talks about the bones in the valley. And he told the prophet to speak to the bones. But later on, he says, speak again to the bones. And Later on, he said, speak again, because it wasn't complete in one work. The prophet had to keep speaking a word. And as we leave this place after tomorrow, we're going to keep speaking the word. Amen. Why? Because the bones first have to come together. And after they come together, we got to speak again. And then the flesh starts to come on the bones. And then we got to speak again. And then the muscle forms to the flesh. Then we got to speak again. And then the skin comes upon the muscle. We got to speak again. One word is just not going to do it. He's a perpetual God. And it, that thing that He started this weekend. It's going to carry you over. Remember, we're going, we're going past the point of no return. What has had you bound will never have an effect on you again. It cannot hold you down any longer. Jonathan Suber told us last week, some of y'all might as well get a new prayer because God has just answered that prayer. You might as well get a new vision. Because that vision has just now come to pass. You might as well find your next purpose because that last purpose has just been fulfilled. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, those that have not yet received the breakthrough that you've designed for them in this place, I pray that your anointing would destroy that yoke right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you gave us power, dunamis power. You gave us power over all the work of the enemy. Lord, and we invoke that power tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. By the authority in your name, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we claim healing of the mind, of the body. In the name of Jesus. Lord, allow your anointing to destroy that yoke from the root. In the name of Jesus, cause us, O God, to remember where we were marred and flawed and rendered useless for your work. Lord, put us back on the wheel in the name of Jesus. We humbly submit to your will. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would bind every spirit that we've given power to. Lord, take the power back from the enemy that we've rendered and left to him in the name of Jesus. Cause us to stand up as children and people of God and to take our rightful place in your kingdom. Cause us, oh God, to be beacon lights to show forth your glory. To show forth your glory and that we've lived too long without the true power And we're tired, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for the change. We thank you for the victory. In the name of Jesus, we speak to every curse right now that has been placed on our life, even by our own mouth and our tongue. Lord, we will cease this day to speak negativity change the power of our tongue, Lord, to speak those things that be not as though they were. We speak life. We speak healing. We speak virtue in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to rid our lives of every negative influence, whether if it's our brother, our sister, our mother, our father, Lord, you came with a sword to separate us from the curse that has lived in our families. In the name of Jesus. Lord, touch our tongues with a hot coal from your altar. Let us never be the same again, but let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we claim it done. We claim it done. And finished in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seal it. Go ahead and seal it. Oh, keep saying it till you believe it. Keep on saying it till you believe it. I Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe your word, Lord. We believe your word. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. The power of prayer. Somebody still ain't broke through. Ain't spoken tongues in a long time. When you don't speak in tongues for a long time, God is saying, you've prayed long enough. Now, will you please let me pray through you? He searches the heart. You have to refresh your spirit. Because if he gets to pray for your infirmity, for your marred clay jar, it'll be a new one. Hallelujah.